In the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance conversation this morning. And as always, it's great to be with all of you. And we always start off our conversation by inviting Mary to be with us. Mary has many wonderful titles. Mary is the mother of God. Mary is the mother of the church. And Mary is the mother of each and every one of us. For that reason, we also cry out to Mary in the Hail Holy Queen. We cry out to Mary as our our life, our sweetness, and our hope. So let's um, let's enter into our conversation. Invite Mary to pray with us and to pray for us, as we say the prayer that Mary really loves most. That prayer is the Hail Mary. <coughs> so together, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And bless the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners. Now and at the hour of our death, amen. Now I would like to invite to be with us our spiritual director. Our spiritual director happens to be the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit has uh, many different titles. The Holy Spirit is known as the Paraclete. The Holy Spirit is also known as the is also known as the Gift of Gifts. Holy Spirit is also known as the Sweet. <coughs> guest of the soul. Holy Spirit working on us is known as the sanctifier. By sanctifier, he's the one that helps us to grow in holiness. The Holy Spirit is also known as our consoler. He's our consoler as well as our counselor. The Holy Spirit is also known as our interior master or teacher. In the words of St. Paul to the Romans, he says that we really don't know how to pray as we ought. But good news is the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans, so we can say, Abba. (coughs) Abba, which means Daddy or Father. So let's beg the Holy Spirit to descend upon us with his powerful, enlightening presence and give us, in our intellect, a lot of light and our will to give us a lot of strength. As we pray, come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful. 
and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. And thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. Saint Gabriel, pray for us. Saint Raphael, pray for us. Saint John the Baptist, pray for us. Saint Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. Saint Francis Xavier, pray for us. Saint Maria Faustina Kowalska, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. So, my friends, as we start off this wonderful conversation in our Perseverance family, as always, words of encouragement. I promise to pray for all of you in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. The Holy Sacrifice of the Mass is by far the greatest of all prayers. It is the Opus Dei. It is the great work of God. It is our means of salvation. In the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, Christ offers himself to God the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit for our sanctification and salvation. So I'll pray for all of you in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. And I'll offer these intentions. First intention I'd like to pray for all of us as we get closer and closer to Christmas and next Saturday will actually be Christmas Eve that we would all try to be open to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. And this might be our prayer during the course of the day. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come through the heart of Mary. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come through the heart of Mary. 
My second intention will be I'd like to pray for you, your families, that all of you would prepare well for Christmas. I'd like to pray for some of your family members that have possibly walked away from the church, have turned their backs on the sacraments, they've chosen a wrong path, to happiness and holiness. So I'd like to pray for your your family members that are heading in the wrong direction. I'd like to place them on the altar in the Mass that I will be celebrating today. My third intention, I'd like to pray with you for the conversion of sinners. But especially I'd like to pray for the conversion of sinners, but the conversion of deathbed sinners. Those who will be those who will be dying tonight or today or right now. And those that have not lived a good life, they're not living the state of grace that through our prayers that they would return. that they will return to the heart of Christ and be saved. So, those are, those are my intentions, my friends, placed all on the altar. Okay. Before getting into the interpretation of the readings today in which we have two genealogies, Given that today is Saturday, I'd like to try to honor Mary in a special way. This is a beautiful picture of Our Lady of Perpetual Help, according to tradition painted by St. Luke. Let's ask Our Lady of Perpetual Help to pray for us and to help us. And then I invite all of you to I invite all of you, if possible, to look into buying my, my new book. Here it is, The Compendium of Marian Devotions, written by yours truly. And I would uh, like to invite all of you to my class, my course on my new book. Actually, tomorrow will be the last day. It's been a, fi- a week of uh, a five-week course, which we meet every Sunday at 1:30. So I'd like to invite all of you, if you like, it's an it's a course that's open, and even you have not come to my course as of yet. You're invited to come at at one thirty tomorrow Sunday. 
And this will be the last day of our course. Now, if it is such that some of you are in another state, some of you are in other countries, other continents, I think even one of you, uh, Sophie, I think is from Taiwan. Obviously, you're not going to be able to come in person. I got an email today commenting on my talk and confession by a Muslim. So our our audience, our extension, our audience is growing, thanks be to God, growing stronger and more extensive. So if you're in Taiwan or you're in Africa, obviously you're not going to be able to fly here overnight to come to my course. But what I'm trying to do and I would prefer I would prefer that those who come to the course come in person. But if that's not possible, then so you can follow me online, and that would be 1:30 Pacific time in the United States. And just a summary of this book. It's interesting, this week, Thursday, I was on TV for about an hour in Spanish, the Sembrador with my friend Andres Gonzalez, Actualidad y Fe. Earlier that week, I was with the, the women, Mujeres de Encuentro, I was with them for one of their segments. Earlier I was uh, on Tardis de Fe, which is a catechetical program. I was on that on Tuesday. Then I was on a uh, Catholic radio program with Joe and Joe, which they were interviewing me for a good hour. On my book. So last week... Last week, uh, this week actually, a lot of radio and TV interviews, thanks be to God. And it's always good to be with all of you, but we, our family seems to be growing and extending itself. My talk I gave on the General Confession is, is growing in popularity. I already have more than 200,000 views on that. Overnight, I had 4,000 views on the General Confession talk I gave about four years ago in St. Peter Chanel. And I had a comment by a Muslim that I was reading this morning questioning why we have to confess to a man, which is a common question, a good question, actually. And the response would be that Jesus establish the sacrament confession in which you'll confess to God but through the instrumentality of a man. And Jesus gives us the biblical verse when he breathed on the apostles on Easter Sunday night and he said to the apostles, receive the Holy Spirit. Who sins you forgive, they'll be forgiven. Who sins you hold bound, they'll be held bound. Thereby 
ordaining the apostles to be the the first bishops and priests. <coughs> so going back to my book and Saturdays, Saturdays I like to really honor Mary in a special way. Is this uh, book that took me a while to write and to have published, Compendium Marian De Devotions. It's really a mini encyclopedia of Mary. And what it includes is the following, and I really hope and pray those who get a hold of this book will really get to know Mary better and to love Mary all the more and to try to get people to get to know and love Mary. And by doing this, Mary will bring us to the heart of Christ. And Christ will bring us to God the Father. So Mary's never going to be a block, an obstacle. But rather, Mary, is going to be, Mary will be a bridge by which we really connect with Christ. So in this, uh, in this book, what we have are the following. So that we can have a really complete and integral understanding and, and love for Mary. Is we have an explanation, my friends, of the Marian dogmas. Few of you have commented, uh, Jeff as well as Beatrice, about my book. Thank you very much for your compliments, and uh, I feel honored to be able to share uh, with you on a daily basis a lot of these beautiful blessings that God has bestowed upon us. Because what the blessing I have, I try to share with you. So going back to the the Marian dogmas. Because we have to have a, a solid Marian uh, understanding. Then we should know the Marian dogmas. These are, these are truths that have been revealed by the Catholic Church as revealed truths that we believe. <coughs> we place our credence in, in, these, in these, uh, these dogmas. They would be four. Marian dogmas would be the Immaculate Conception that we celebrated December 8th. That Mary was conceived without the stain of original sin. And we pray, O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to Thee. Then another Marian dogma is Mary's divine maternity. And that means that Mary's, Mary's the mother of God. And this, all this season of Advent, which means coming, we are preparing ourselves for the birthday of Christ. There's no greater birthday in the world than the birthday of Christ.
There's no other birthday in the world than the birthday of Christ. No other birthday in the world than the birthday of Christ. And we celebrate that a week from today, which will be Christmas Eve. Then we celebrate the birthday of Christ the whole Christmas season, which takes us through the Holy Family, and then we have also Mary, the Mother of God, on January 1st. Then we have... um, we have also the Epiphany. And then we end Christmas season with the Baptism of the Lord. Once again, I thank all of you, Sophie, Estella, and Jeff, for your compliment on the book. Thank you very much, because it really is, I believe, a masterpiece that can help us out so much. So what I'm trying to do is um, honoring... Jesus was Mother Mary. And today we have the genealogy of Jesus, which ends with Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, born of Mary. Is I'm going through the, the Marian dogmas that we should really get to know. So her Immaculate Conception, then Mary's Divine Maternity, And when we say divine maternity, we mean that Mary is truly Mary is truly the the mother of God. That's right. Mary is truly the mother of God. And of all the titles that we can give, all the titles that we can give to Mary, and there are many. And in my book, I have the prayer, the litany of the Blessed Virgin Mary, all the different beautiful titles, invocations we have. The greatest of all Marian titles or privileges is that Mary is the mother of God. This was proclaimed dogmatically in the year 431 in the Council of Ephesus. That Mary is the Theotokos, the God-bearer, the mother of God. Another, another one of Mary's, Mary's uh, privileges or dogmas would be the Mary's perpetual virginity. By this we mean that Mary was always a virgin. That would be before the birth of Christ, during the birth of Christ, and after the birth of Christ, Mary maintained intact her virginity. Before the birth, Mary had made a vow to God to remain virgin for for God. For God. During the birth of Christ, Mary did not lose her virginity. But as sun goes through a window pane, and the light of the sun filling the room without breaking the window pane, so Jesus issued forth from Mary without Mary losing her virginity. 
Lastly, Mary did not have other children. At times the Protestants will level this accusation saying that Mary did have other children because on one occasion in the Gospel, Jesus is preaching and someone says, your mother, your brothers and your sisters are outside waiting for you. Jesus responds by saying, who is my mother, who is my brother, who is my sister? Whoever does the will of my Heavenly Father is mother, brother and sister to me. In this Jesus was stating that Mary has other children, but spiritual children. Biological child, Mary only has one biological child and that is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But we'll, all of us, all of us are, we're Mary's spiritual children. There as Jesus hung on the cross and looked down on Mary and St. John the Evangelist, Jesus said, Woman, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother. And from that moment, the beloved disciple took Mary into his home there in Ephesus, but also under his heart. In that moment, Jesus was giving Mary to us as our universal mother. As our universal mother. In the last Marian dogma was proclaimed in the year 1950 by Pope Pius XII In his papal bull, Munificentimus Deus. And it's the assumption that Mary was assumed into heaven in body and soul. So at the end of Mary's earthly pilgrimage, Mary, by God's power, she was taken up into heaven where she's present in body and soul. The ascension is when Jesus ascended into heaven by his own power, where he sits at the right hand of God the Father, thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. So Mary was taken up to heaven in body and soul. This is proclaimed by Pope Pius XII on November 1st, 1950. And the church celebrates the Assumption Mary August 15th every year. So in my in my book, The Compendium of Marian Devotions, which I invite all of you to buy and to read and to come to my course tomorrow at 1.30, I have a section on the Marian, the Marian dogmas, Marian dogmas. However, the very heart, the very heart of my book, 
would be Marian's devotions. Marian's Marian devotions. And I've got a list of them. I have 32 chapters in the book. And I've just gone through a lot of different aspects of our devotion to Mary. Our devotion to Mary. Now I'd like to compare or explain Mariology, which is the the study of Mary in using the the analogy, hopefully you'll understand it, of a a love olive garden salad. Now of all the salads I've ever eaten, not that I'm a connoisseur of wine or food or salads, but of all the salads that I've eaten, the Olive Garden salad is my favorite. Now, if I were to give you a salad without any condiments or dressing on it, you probably wouldn't like it that much. But if you go to Olive Garden, they put their special dressing on the salad. And it's very tasty. Very tasty. An Italian gesture. Ah. So, you have both salad and you have the condiments. Both the salad and the condiments. Both the salad and the dressing. Well, the salad would be the do- the doctrine, Marian doctrine. And the condiments would be the devotion. So for an integral and complete Mariology, we have to have both. We should have both the dogma and devotions. The Marian dogma is directed more at the intellect. At the intellect. Whereas the devotion is directed more at the heart and the sentiments. That's right. The dogma directed at our intellect, our understanding, and the devotions at our heart. So, I have a whole list of Marian devotions. Among which I can mention <coughs> one of many. And I spend some time on this uh, one prayer. And it's called the Memorare. The Memorare. Many of you probably have prayed the Memorare before. It's a beautiful prayer, the Memorare. So I've uh, typed it in for you, the Memorare. Beautiful, beautiful prayer, the Memorare. 
And according to tradition, according to tradition, the Memorare was composed by St. Bernard. But I have a story in it, and you actually see, uh, you actually see a, a picture, a painting of a great saint. And I'd like to just to recount the story of this one saint, how the Memorare helped him to overcome very serious problems. There was this young man that lived about 450 years ago, and he was strongly influenced by a heresy that was had spread throughout Europe. It was contaminating many Catholics, and it was the name of it was Jansenism. And Jansenism was a very, very pessimistic theology, which discouraged. Uh, being joyful, discouraged receiving the Eucharist. It's a very pessimistic religion, saying that few people would be saved. The priest could easily deny absolution. So this young man was contaminated by this, and he believed that he believed that his uh, that he, he he probably was not going to be saved. Consequently, he couldn't sleep well at night. He was not eating. He was losing a lot of weight. He was living almost on the brink of despair. So, what happens? What happens is this young man wanders providentially into a church, Catholic church, and he sees a beautiful statue of Mary there. And he kneels down and he prays the prayer, the Memorare. Remember, most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was known anyone who pled your protection and implored your help was, was left unaided. Inspired with this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin, O Virgin, my mother. To you they come before I kneel, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother, the Word incarnate, despise my, my prayer, but in your mercy, graciously hear and answer me. So he, he prayed that prayer, the Memorare. <coughs> and it's almost as if a miracle occurred. A miracle occurred that this dense cloud that seemed to be causing him so much desolation, it's, it's as if it dissipated and disappeared. This young man got up, got up filled with hope. He went on to get his degree in law. And then he decided that his vocation was to become a priest. He was ordained a priest and he was sent to Chablais, Switzerland to do missionary work among the Calvinists. 
when he arrived, there was something like 56,000 Calvinists and 56 Catholics. After he finished his missionary work, there were 56,000 Catholics and 56, 56, there were 56,000 Catholics at the end and 56 um, Calvinists. So basically, he converted almost the whole stronghold of Calvinism. And this man, I've held back his name from you, his name was and is, is St. Francis, St. Francis de Sales. I've posted his name for you, St. Francis de Sales. So you can see in my my book, I wrote a chapter on this topic of the Memorare related to how this prayer helped this young man who was in tormented and turmoil because of the Jansenistic heresy, thinking, hey, maybe I'm not going to be saved. So he'd always be promoting the people to pray that prayer, the Memorare. <clears throat> the Memorare, which was uh, composed by St. Bernard. St. Bernard is also responsible for a beautiful poem and hymn. It's called Stella Maris. Stella Maris and the Memorare, I think there's a real parallel between them. Because Stella, Stella Maris is Latin for the star of the sea. In this Miriam poem, composed by St. Bernard, the mellifluous doctor, St. Bernard states that we're basically like a man or a woman in the midst of a sea in a ship. And the ship in the midst of the sea is being tossed and turned by the waves. For the captain to direct for the captain to direct the ship to sea. He has to be pop properly directed and how does he do it? By lifting up his gaze to Stellamadis. Stellamadis means <coughs> Stellamadis means the star of the sea. So St. Bernard waxes eloquent in this beautiful poem and says, in the midst of the trials of life, look up at Stellamatis. When you're being attacked and tormented by many temptations, lift your gaze to Stellamatis. For it seems as if the bark of your soul is about to capsize and sink 
lift up your gaze to Stellamadis. When you're assailed and assaulted by doubts and insecurity, lift up your gaze to Stellamadis. When it seems as if everything is falling apart and nothing really seems to have any meaning, lift up your gaze. Lift up your gaze and contemplate Stellamadis. And by following Stellamadis, the star of the sea, that star will guide you safely, securely, and soundly to the port. So it is with Mary's, Mary Stellamadis. Mary Stellamadis, if we lift our gaze to Mary Stellamadis, focusing upon her, she'll bring us safely to the port of salvation and bring us to the safe refuge of the heart of Christ, of the heart of Christ. Stellamadis. So, my friends, what I'm trying to do today, in honor of Mary, who in the genealogy we have today in from Genesis, and then we have the genealogy of St. Matthew, have a long list of names from Abraham all the way through David, all the way up to Joseph and Mary, and from Mary's born the Christ, Jesus Christ. We have a long list of genealogy. I'm trying to honor Jesus today, who will celebrate his birthday in a week. I'm trying to honor him by honoring Mary, by means of the new book that I published, which came out about two months ago. It's called The Compendium of Marian Devotions. So I'm giving you basically the content material of, uh, of my book. I've talked about the Marian dogmas. The Immaculate Conception. Mary's Divine Maternity. Her Perpetual Virginity. The Assumption of Mary. I've talked also about Marian devotions and I've explained one of the chapters today which is that of the Memorare. Beautiful prayer. And according to tradition it was through this prayer that the young Saint Francis de Sales was <coughs> delivered from the Jansenistic heresy, from falling to a real pit of uh, depression, almost despair. Mary was able to pull him out. And we talked about Stellamadis. Mary's the star of the sea. Then also in my book, I 
my editor encouraged me to do a little bit more, a little bit more research and study. So, we're able to put together, put together a few chapters honoring Mary by explaining approved Marian apparitions. That's right. Approved Marian apparitions. What are what are approved Marian apparitions? It's very important that we recognize that the apparitions of Mary, and there are many, they really have to be approved by Holy Mother Church. Because there are many there are falls, for example, Bayside, New York that are occurred years ago, that's not approved by Holy Mother Church. So I've put together three of the most famous Marian-approved apparitions in my book. What would be the three approved Marian apparitions? Well, especially because of the great love we have for Our Lady Guadalupe and uh, Our Lady of Fatima and Our Lady of Lourdes, we have this chapter on Our Lady of Guadalupe. Here you can see this the beautiful, beautiful depiction here of Our Lady Guadalupe. Beautiful picture of Our Lady Guadalupe. So much breathtaking the beauty of Our Lady Guadalupe in this book of mine. And even in the background in my studio, you can see, you can see the image of Our Lady Guadalupe. So, Our Lady Guadalupe, you can read on that. And of course, I just give you a short chapter on that and invite you to go deeper in your knowledge and love for Lady Guadalupe that we celebrated actually this week on December 12th. Our Lady Guadalupe, my friends, is the, she's the, she's the patron of Mexico. She's also the patron of the Americas. And of all the Marian shrines, this is the most visited Marian shrine in the world. Also, of all the Marian shrines visited, John Paul II visited Our Lady Guadalupe more than any other Marian shrine. So we want to place ourselves under the protection of Our Lady Guadalupe. It's a very beautiful picture, isn't it? Our Lady Guadalupe. And as a result of 
the apparition of the Lady Guadalupe. Mexico was converted in a very short time. Almost all the Mexicans became Catholics because of the apparition of our Lady Guadalupe to Juan Diego in the year 1531. She appeared four times and once to his uncle, Juan Bernardino, who she healed immediately. And there, if you want to uh, read the Memorari, Gerardo has actually posted the prayer of the Memorari for you to read and pray. Going back to Our Lady Guadalupe, we want to turn to her. She said to Juan Diego, do not be afraid, am I not your mother? In our sorrows, in our fears, in our insecurities, let's turn to Mary and pray that memorari to her like Francis de Sales. Mary will help us. We have to believe that Mary will truly help us. Then I wrote a chapter. After Lady Guadalupe, I wrote a chapter on Our Lady of Lourdes. And here you can see a depiction of Our Lady of Lourdes in the grotto. She's dressed in white with a blue sash. You can see the, the the candles in front of her. And she appeared to that little peasant girl. Here we have a picture of her, of St. Bernadette Subiru. You can see the picture of St. Bernadette Subiru there in the corner of that page. And I, I really like the, the juxtaposition of the year of Our Lady of Lourdes' apparition to St. Bernadette 18 times appeared in 1858. In the year 1854, in the year 1854, it was Pope Pius IX that proclaimed dogmatically the Marian dogma that we mentioned earlier. That Marian dogma is that of the Immaculate Conception. Who did St. Bernadette who did St. Bernadette speak to? Saint Bernadette said, "Please give me, please give me your name." And she, the woman, folded her hands with great reverence, and she lifted up her eyes to heaven, and she said, "Je suis le Macaulay Conception," which would be the French for "I am, I am the Immaculate Conception." which was the dogma that was proclaimed four years earlier. So you see what Mary does. Mary leads us into the church. For that reason, Mary is the mother of God. She's our mother, but she's also the mother of the church, which she was proclaimed in a very powerful way at the end of Vatican II. 
in the document Lumen Gentium, Chapter 8, Mary's Mater Ecclesiae, Mary's the Mother of the Church. And finally, here we have another of Mary's approved apparitions. You can see in procession. There you can see Our Lady of Fatima. See the picture of Lady Fatima in the, my following chapter on Our Lady of Fatima. On Our Lady of Fatima. And she appeared in 1917 to these three children. They are Lucia, Francisco, and, and Jacinta. She appeared to these three children. They were shepherd children. Interesting that the angel, choirs of angels appeared to the shepherds. And also Our Lady appeared to these three simple shepherd children. Our Lord would say, unless you become like a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless you become like a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And as Our Lady revealed her identity to St. Bernadette as the Immaculate Conception, Our Lady Fatima revealed her identity to the children. And she said, she said, I am the Lady of the Rosary. I am the Lady of the Rosary. In every one of those six apparitions in Fatima, 1917, May 13th, all the way to October 13th, Our Lady Fatima, Our Lady of the Rosary said, Pray the Rosary. Pray the Rosary. And as Father Patrick Payton, known as the Rosary Priest, He's famous for many sayings. But especially he's known for these two sayings. The family that prays together stays together. The family that prays together stays together. And a world a world at prayer is a world at peace. And my book, my friend, has an appendix. At the very end, it has an appendix with a treasure of Marian prayers. That's right, a treasure of Marian prayers. So we're very thankful for our Perseverance family. We've had a very good conversation today. 
The genealogy of Jesus Christ is the gospel for today. We have the genealogy also and the book of Genesis. But our genealogy, my friends, spiritually is this. Our genealogy. All of us are brothers and sisters. We're all brothers and sisters. By our baptism, my friends, we're all brothers and sisters. God is our Father. Jesus Christ is our older brother. But Mary, Mary, Mary is our spiritual mother. So let us rejoice in the fact that we have a loving mother, Mary Most Holy. And like Juan Dieguito, we can always go to her and find refuge in her Immaculate Heart. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.